Hello, RP people. My name is Santa, and welcome to the very first episode of Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we discuss all things tabletop like we know what we're talking about. What you can expect from us in future episodes is a conversation about systems, mechanics, news, and mechanical rent and mechanical rants on the things we have way overthought. Wow, I've already screwed this up, but let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> on this episode, uh we're just going to actually keep it nice and simple, and we're just going to talk about a little bit about who we are. Uh, so the first person I'd like to introduce is a friend of mine. His name is Mr. Finder. Mr. Finder, can you please tell me about yourself and how you got into a tabletop? Uh, yeah, I am um, an old man, 50 years old now. Uh, I got into tabletop RPGs by watching my brothers play back in the uh, mid to late 80s. They uh, played Dungeons and Dragons, and I watched and was entertained by the stories and eventually started DMing my own games for my friends um, as early as the fifth grade, and, and uh, even then started dabbling and making our own games. So i um, been doing it for a little bit. Oh, nice. Uh, was that first edition that you actually started with, or was it uh, something else? It, it was first edition. I have a first edition basic blue book. Um, I've lost the expert editions, and uh, then that, of course, went straight into AD&D first edition. So, and I, I had most of those books. I sold them because they're just taking up space on my bookshelf, uh, and, and I needed room for other games that I'm going to play since I don't really do much D&D any longer. Uh, I hear you on that one. D&D, it's good at first, but like... Not to already insult a lot of the audience, but D and D kind of just gets a little bit burning up. You burn out of it a little bit quickly. Yeah, um, although you know the, the thing that I I it, it was a fun system uh, for the time, but even then, back in the early '80s, started getting into more things like Boot Hill or Star Frontiers and Gamma World and um, some other systems with different mechanics. So up next, who I'd like to introduce, uh, he's a man who's actually been in the industry for a, quite a little while, and he's probably the person who has to role play the least about being smart. Up next is Scott W. Tell us about yourself, Scott. It was. I'm not so sure about that statement. That's bold strategy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so I, I've been gaming since. Oof, man, early '80s, like '82, '83, somewhere there, maybe maybe '84. Huh. Yeah, I'm I'm old as well, um, <laughs> but I started with uh, a buddy of mine's older brothers played, and they wouldn't let us play because we were like sixth graders. But the dude had borrowed, right, air quotes, the module uh, A1 Slave Pits of the Undercity, but we didn't have the dice, and so we just rolled a bunch of six siders to approximate a uh, you know a one to twenty roll, which whatever. <laughs> I mean, hindsight's kind of <laughs> neat. We already made our own system back in the day. And then uh, eventually they gave us the little brown books because they thought it was for babies since they were all now into AD&D all of a sudden. Um, and so that's it. And it just took off from there. Um, and yeah, I've been, you know, mostly a, a GM and I think I've played maybe a handful of times as an actual player. Uh, and that's it. And yeah, I, I, I design professionally now. Uh, so what have you designed? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. The first Vanity Ego project was Oubliette, Sorcery, and Reavers, which is a kind of a grimdark fantasy. Not grimdark like you wear mascara and you're going to sit and lament uh, the world. It's just uh, I, uh, we made it magic means something to the caster, and how you do your magic depends on how far you're willing to go. 
and then everything else kind of falls in line with that. And we just launched Neon Blood, which is our old school renaissance version of cyberpunk. Uh, but like with everything that I do, there's a twist to it. And it's not just boring, you know, basic D&D where fighters replaced by, you know, a soldier of fortune. There's, there's actually a lot of cool components to it. And for that one, our design was to make hacking and firefights able to operate simultaneously at a table and not have everyone bored as hell like they usually are in cyberpunk or uh, Shadowrun. And then we're just working on other products now that we're going to be producing here shortly. Oh, nice. Well, I just from my own personal experience and reading through uh, games like uh, Cyberpunk and uh, what's that really famous one? The one with all the goblins. I'm already forgetting the name. Shadowrun? Shadowrun. That's the one. Shadowrun. Shadowrun. I remember trying to actually read through that thing and getting to the point where it's all talked about the like the internet and everything. And I, I, I just conked out like I couldn't even do it. I just said, I'm never playing a hacker in my lifetime. Yeah, you're not alone. It's pretty obtuse. <laughs> So as for myself, I've actually, I have the least experience out of all you guys. I didn't start when I was in sixth grade or anything. I got into it, actually, it was a little begrudgingly. Um, my buddy, uh, Jeremy, if you're listening, Jeremy, thank you for getting me in this. It's kind of gotten me where I am right now. But um, he kind of just told me to come and just give it a try. And he was running a custom system on GURPS, which if anyone knows GURPS, it's a really old kind of game but you can do almost everything with it and he made his own custom magic system and i really wasn't like wanting to because i just thought it's not for me which is kind of stupid because i was even a drama kid as like like when i was 14 15 but he just told me hey just try it out if you don't like it after a day don't come back for the next session but i kind of got hooked and since then i've just been reading every single system i possibly can um that game was fun but it didn't last too long because unfortunately it was just around the time where 5e for D was popping out and we were all gung-ho on trying to hop over to that system and that's what everyone pretty much stayed stayed playing afterwards you know what i like about gurps is their their source books are phenomenal i i grab source books just as like idea fodder for my own games at times like oh i'm gonna do cyberpunk let's check out their cyber cybernetics supplement so it's like uh i love the gurps source books oh and there's there's one for honestly everything yeah martial arts there's that like i'm pretty sure if you want one about fighting unicorns i don't know if it's out there but it probably is like i (laughs) oh yeah never they definitely have it yeah oh my god i hope they do like (laughs) that's the thing with steve jackson right the whole point behind gurps was they tested every rule with uh not just verisimilitude but their combat was done out in a backyard and they'd, you know, beat the tar out of each other with sticks to approximate like, oh, what would it take to actually hurt somebody? What does it take to make contact with someone? And uh, yeah, that's how it all got started. So the level of research provided on a lot of their source books is fairly phenomenal. Really? I actually didn't know that. That's really cool. So they they actually tested out these weapons and all these mechanics in the real world to see how they could be emulated? As far as you could, right? You just, you know, you wrap foam around a broomstick and you get garbage can lids. I mean, the same thing we all do as kids, right? I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds terrible in hindsight. I don't know how I survived. But we used to make bows or whatnot and try to, you know, <laughs> put a tennis ball on the end of it or whatever and just be like, hey, I'm going to shoot you and it's probably not going to hurt you. But if, if the arrow continues, because you don't, you don't understand, you know, force oh. momentum and everything. So <laughs> I get you. For me, uh, although I was a 90s kid, so, you know, we were a lot more, you know, bubble wrapped. 
so for us we're just making we're we're making crossbows out of uh i don't know if you guys know what canex is or if it's even an american product or anything like that but like if they're these little sticks that you stick together with these other kind of con- connections and then we'd put rubber bands and try and tighten it to the point where it's like you can literally launch something and if it was into drywall you could actually pierce it and it was like that was a kid's toy Fun. <laughs> yeah no good childhood good childhood <laughs> so uh here's actually a question where i in kind of like us talking about this podcast uh i didn't actually know all the information but how we all met and i did not know that uh mr finder and scott knew each other before well New oh, let's of. get to this new of let's let's get to this story uh scott do you want to take over since uh you kind of brought us all together uh, actually i you know i don't do you want to start the story and then i'll jump in sure i, I can start the story <laughs> i want to hear i want to hear how awesome it was i have to have my ego <laughs> pumped up before i jump in <laughs> uh I, it was several years ago i i i can't even remember when it, it was I don't even remember if it was associated with like an online con of any sort, but um, there was a looking for players for this. I I swear it was Savage Worlds. I know you think it was 5e, um, but I remember it as Savage Worlds. So 50-year-old brain, one of us is right, one of us is wrong. I don't care who it is, but it was fun. Uh, It was special ops type characters um, doing doing a Halo jump and uh things go wrong immediately in the game and we uh end up having to bail out of the plane earlier than anticipated we land in this jungle there's some sort of something out there we never got a glimpse of what it was that shredded the plane and so we just know that there's something in this jungle um we we failed all of our parachute rolls, like all of our all the rolls that we had to do to even be close to one another. So it took us like half a day or something like that for the characters to actually hook up. And it's just two guys. I mean, it was like me and one other guy that were players with Scott uh, GMing, and somehow we end up finding one another, and we made it through combat successfully um with with some creatures only to find out that there was some supernatural crap going on that we weren't expecting because it was a modern uh sort of game spec ops it was it was a lot of fun had a, had a great time and and uh so that yeah that was the first it was a one-shot game we, we only played it once well, and, by accident <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I wanted to continue it um, but schedules, of course, never never worked out. And then the other guy that was playing, um, don't know what what happened to him. Actually, I do know what happened to him because I, I, I was still in contact with him up until recently. Um, in a in a different uh, aspect, that it was uh, working on the uh, Savage Worlds compendium for Roll Twenty is where he w- ended up as well. Oh, cool. But uh, but yeah, so that 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 game was only like two or three hours but it was a lot of fun and then uh i saw the thing for eberron and i was like oh cool and i think i know this guy (laughs) 
Oh, my second love in life, Eberron. Yeah, it's pretty close. So it was 5e. I had to, I pulled the game up just because I was like, man, I remember having to do something weird for everyone to make everyone kind of get in the mood, right? And so it was, we had the, uh, um, the character classes, I designed them, but I told you guys, hey, look, you know, like uh, a medic is just a rogue. Uh, the Terp is going to be a rogue. An operator will use the berserker, right, or the barbarian stuff. Um, and so, and then, the, uh, yeah, there's only the two of you anyway. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a 5e game because it's the only one that's still up that I have. So I was like, I mean, yeah, I, I went looking for it and I couldn't find it myself. I'm like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, it was... Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, the intro to my Task Force Raven idea, which I still have earmarked to get back on at some point. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, and there's, these guys really um, took it in stride. And, you know, the biggest thing about, so what I did was I really took a chance. It's usually a tisk-tisk on a lot of gaming forums is I got a bunch of players to get, well, a bunch of K2 um, we had some interest, but they other people bumped out. But I got players together under the auspices that they were going to play special forces operators with a specific mission. And then I got them in the airplane, and we had sound effects. And yeah, all hell broke loose, and they had to they had to evac the bird. And that's when all hell started happening to them, really. And um, it was something weird was going on. They hit the ground running. Yeah, they had to find each other because I was using. Um, a sound bite when they got close to each other through uh, your search rolls and whatnot, right? If you remember oh, right. I would, I, the yeah. squawking radio, and I'd get it louder and louder the closer you got to each other, so you'd know if kind of you know polar warmer kind of thing. Uh, and then the interference on the radio channel in general was also part of it. And you thought you were picking up the rest of your team, and then uh, then you uh, met your first uh, your first creature. <laughs> and, yeah, and so that's the that's the real tisk tisk moment is deceiving players. You, t- you do take a big chance of someone of being like, you know, hey, I thought we were playing special, modern special forces. And, you know, I think 99% of gamers are okay with the idea of playing Delta Force operators who get thrown into some weird land of, uh, you know, monsters. Um, I haven't seen it ever go awry, but there are a lot of people who take that too, take umbrage with that. Yeah, you know, for me, that comes down to having to trust the GM. Um, I didn't know you, so I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. And people who play D&D 5e, if they're not comfortable playing in a Delta Force type game like this with supernatural elements, even though it's modern, um, I'd be surprised just because 5e itself is so much fantasy. Yeah, fair point. And then, yeah, then I listed the Eberron game because that was Savage Worlds uh, because I love Eberron and I... I'm, I have all the books for Eberron, <laughs> and, and I even have my name in a couple of the more modern books for Eberron. I actually was on the team that was helping design it. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so it's really cool. Then I met these guys, and, you know, uh, we'll de- I'll let Santa decide if he wants to tell about how our four players went down to not four players. <laughs> Oh, um, maybe that's problem players. Oh God, it was it was actually a lot of fun. Like we started off, and it was me, Finder, and this other guy who, what did he go? He went as Crispy Burnt Man. I'm pretty sure that was his name. Uh, and also we had this other character whose name I don't really recall, but to be honest, I don't really think he was really an important part of the story in the end. Uh, so. We started off in 
like we started off playing and I remember just like chatting with everyone. And first thing I thought, like, cause we we're just tossing out these random things. Like I still, like I was playing this character called Tog the Goblin. I stole a car- carpet because I hid under it and then tried to crawl away as the NPC and the other players in total view just kind of saw me crawling away in this <laughs> blue. I just remember it's a blue carpet. And then I tried to sell the carpet and then I used that carpet to try and get onto a, uh, a boat. And this whole time we have finder your character. Who's like this um, giant metal machine who is very holier than thou. Well, not holier than thou. That's I think the wrong word to use, but he was very kind of like, he was a, he was on a mission from his deity, everything like that. And when you were playing your character and you, I remember you jumped out of a window to try and land onto a ship and it could have easily just been like a one shot kill, but you just got lucky with your dice rolls. And the whole time that you were talking and playing, I was just my, my play style. I was gravitating more towards you and I found my character. I couldn't help, but try and, put a connection between this weird goblin who doesn't like authority towards this uh what's that class that what's the warforged the warforged that's it warforged uh you're playing uh the warforged and although you're supposed to be you know very organized and everything like that i couldn't help but just trying to hop into your scenario and (laughs) Then we had, uh, I'm just going to call him Crispy for right now. And Crispy, this is his first ever game. Like, he has never played one before in his lifetime. And he was, I I think honestly, because it was his first time, it was probably almost better because he was just willing to try and do everything. Yeah. Yeah, like he he created like the big like a big boss enemy by accident because there's this. I'm trying to remember, Scott. It was like a vial of goo, or it was like a tentacle. What was it? So that was yeah, the vial of goo. Like where he really got going with his craziness was when you guys had um, you guys had crashed in the uh, Lazar Principalities right on your way to a specific area, and um, you had fought another another set of folks who were sent after you guys essentially mm-hmm. and yeah he killed the he, he stabbed this thing and you know he, he was he's a very he's a younger player and so he's willing to saturday cartoon it with he you know he doesn't understand the the inherent danger that anyone who's gained <laughs> for more than a year understands yeah so yeah. he like decided to test out the goo on a dead body of the <laughs> captain of like a pirate ship yeah and then, yeah. And then he's just like oh and I'm pretty sure, like, you, you said some kind of effect that happened, and you just... This... Yeah, because it was actual, the, 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 it was the, the, the captain slash helmsman, yeah. right, of the ship, of the enemy ship, which means it was, it was a dragon-marked half-elf, so automatically had the, f- the power of dragon-mark flowing through it. Mm-hmm. And then this, this experimental vial that was being sought after. Yeah. I just, I, it was on the fly. It was just like, Oh, this kid really is like anxious and having fun. And so I was like, cool, let's, let's now build an enemy. Who's going to be hunting the party down. And yep. that's really where you guys got your first, you know, true nemesis. And it, it was hilarious. Cause he kind of put it in his ear. And then you, you said like, you saw this thing like school, like go in. And then I'm, <laughs> if I'm recalling the black veins kind of like started popping. And 
uh, Crispy, all he does is he's like, oh, that's weird. And then he doesn't bother to tell any of us other players, and he just walks away from the body like nothing happened. And like we're just sitting there and like, are you going to tell us? Like I, I forget who, but one person I think it was that character that shall not be named. Uh, yeah. He was like, are you going to tell us about it? And he's like, no, I don't think so. I think he might be a little embarrassed for doing it, so he's not going to tell. And we're like, oh, laugh. we just busted out laughing at this. Oh, man. oh, that was so good. And um, yeah, essentially with the drama with the player that shall not be named, um, he felt like Scott was being unfair because he was handing out, uh, if anyone who's listening to this is familiar with uh, Savage Worlds, you get things called bennies, which are essentially free rerolls or depending on what system and everything you do, they could also have alternate effects and everything like that. Uh, but they're pretty much re-rolls for anyone, like for simplicity's sake. And he was kind of mad that Scott wasn't handing him any when he saw that me and Finder and Crispy were all getting bennies. And I, I, he brought it up in confrontation. And I, well, I just remember you said it. It's like, well, you're just, you're trying to play the game. You're not trying to actually play the character. And you didn't see any miraculous things that your character was doing. Like, I remember uh, Finder, he, the reason why that blimp crashed or that, you know, the airship crashed was because you decided to, again, jump off of a moving ship and jump onto uh, a smaller moving ship when you don't have any flight skills. And then you somehow managed to ram that ship into the flying like apparatus of that bigger ship which caused it to crash and this is all like this is why scott you're probably my favorite dm that i played with not trying to (laughs) you know but you you just decided to go with it and you're like yeah it blew up and now it's listing and it crashed into your ship and so we all ended up like crashing and all the innocent people on there who died which and (laughs) the goo and all these things it's just like this crazy catastrophe that happened but like and the other player, he's just like, well, I want to do this. And I, at one point, I I think it was shortly after, like, I was making some... He got pissed off at me because he told me to watch Crispy. Because Crispy was yeah. chatting with a guy at the bar. And because <laughs> my goblin doesn't like authority, I decided to leave and go across the street to get a cup of coffee and read the paper. Yep. While he was telling the story about all that we're doing in the... The, the ruins that we're going to and the treasures that we might find as these guys are just kind of listening and just taking note. This gave it all away. Yeah, pretty much. He gave away that he gave away our entire plan of what's going on. And during that time, like I ended up just kind of like deciding, hey, I'm going to go find a library. And I ended up stumbling upon like some information that we can use. And so I brought it forward and that character was that guy was like, nope, pretty much just nope, we're not using it. We're doing what I want to do. Yeah, and yeah. then it, and then it was in the middle of a fight. He's like, "I want those bennies now," and you're like, "No," and he just <laughs> literally said, "Okay, I'm done," and he just left. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was awesome. But that was a fun fight scene too, though. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, yeah. It was, was awesome. in the middle of the fight scene, and then didn't we use his body as a shield, or we threw his <laughs> yes. body at something, and then yeah and i I remember we tried to like art like role play it like why did his character just die and because he was the secret agent you're just like yeah uh he was a secret agent and he decided to turn on you or something like that i kind of forget but yeah i forget too i was kind of trying to maintain my my decorum 
<laughs> he had to, yeah, it's just, I, I'm not the one and I'm not the normal person who plays role-playing games with my yeah. background. So, you know, it's just. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to be Neo from the Matrix one, really. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. He was just a halfling who wanted to re-roll everything. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And sir, anyway. if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pay your mom's gas money to Memphis. That's what I tell oh. everyone. <laughs> oh, that's a burn. So anyways, let's move on to the next one. So this one's a little bit more of a, like, I, things change, but I find overall people usually have, like, a favorite RPG. So, like, what is your guys' favorite RPG that no matter what, you can always kind of hop back to and either just read the book or you just, you'd always like to play it. Uh, you want to take this one first, Scott? Uh, yeah, it's easy, which is, it's a really weird since I do nothing but design games. Uh, it's actually Spirit of 77. So <laughs> I love that stupid game so much. But it is the most high-octane High speed fun that I have while gaming. Even it's even even faster played than Savage Worlds. Um, it's set in the seventies, Glock movies. So if you can enjoy stuff like Shaft or Dirty Harry combined with Charlie's Angels, and you know throw in some A Team and some you know what would be the X Files or whatever, you're gonna enjoy the hell out of that game. So it's like pretty much like a mashup of a lot of TV shows, but somehow it works out well. well. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely it's it's powered by the apocalypse and so uh it really depends a lot on player uh engagement, which you know, it is what it is, but if you have the right GM, um that that helps the player engagement and it's it's really is just continually asking questions of the of the players instead of waiting for them to do something. Like a lot of games get real boring, you know. But this is like, all right, you guys are in Mr. Chang's grocery store. All right, what's going on? Why are you in Mr. Chang's grocery store today? And you just start going around the table doing that. And then you're like, all right, on three, two, one, you hear the sound of gunfire. And then you just start going into it. And people are like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> so, but you guys are, you, know, you two are used to that out of me anyway. You know, it's sort of how I yeah. anyway, so. if, if anyone ever gets a chance to play with Scott, just like don't really expect what you think you're going to expect. He likes to throw these curveballs that you're just not going to really think of. But are they fair curveballs? That's always the question. <laughs> I've not had a problem with any of the curveballs so far. No, I find failure quite fun, so uh, I like it. I like challenging players, not their characters. Well, like uh, you know, going back to that Eberron game, one of like the curveballs that you throw are things like, "We're now in the past, and this is what's happening. Why are you guys? Why, why are you on this track?" And it's like, oh. Um, I guess this is why I'm on this track and it, it forces you to think, but it also gives some background to what's going on. And so there, there were a couple kind of cut scenes that you did throughout that campaign that kind of shed light on the present while giving us something to think about from the past that may inform the present as well. And, and so the, the, the curveballs I don't think have ever been unfair and they've always been entertaining. So well, there you go. Well, there is that one time that he wrote out a bunch of clues and then he expected us to try and remember stuff. Uh, I felt like that was un very unfair because we kind of have the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> and, and hence the Roll20 secondary version of the game was born. So you could have your clue manifest, your your conspiracy, your conspiracy charts. Yeah, like the, 
essentially that campaign we were talking about earlier, it ended up becoming he he decided to put out like a murder mystery kind of part where we got these kind of clues, we got all these thoughts, and we had to try and find the killer of like this professor who we were all fond of and friend friends with. And it it was I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but so it was like 10 sessions, right, of you guys trying to – your first session is the professor was kidnapped out from underneath you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you guys spent a lot of sessions fighting your way through – You know, it's basically pulp adventure, right, so in Eberron. So you spent all these sessions fighting your way to your professor. You ended up rescuing your professor. I think you may have done one side job for your professor once you got her back to Morgrave University in Sharn. And then as when I gave you guys the note, was like, hey, I need to speak to you. Come to this place. At this at this hour, and we'll talk. And then, as you guys got there, is when you uh, had uncovered that you know she had in fact been uh, brutally murdered. Yeah, and I, and that's I what even, it. <laughs> yeah, and I even remember like after that session, we were talking and we we're asking, it was like, what would have happened?" Because we were asking, like, thinking to ourselves, "Should we uh, get there like maybe like fifteen minutes early? <laughs> should we go? Should we be fashionably late?" Uh, and we asked you afterwards, like, well, what would have happened if like we came early? And you're like, well, if you came early, you would have been in the, you would have seen her being murdered. If you yeah. came late, you wouldn't have even seen the, the, it was, it was, a, was it an elf? It was dark. It was, it was drow. Yeah. It you guys drow, came in yeah. right as they were, as they were ransacking the room. It's like, there's, you know, three points you could come in on. And you guys came in on that. And that was the thing is I couldn't just, I could have just started it with like, Hey, your best friend, the professor, which none of you really know or give a shit about, oh, sorry, care about uh you know, that's just not a good way of doing it so i had to build up i had to build the npc up to where you guys would at least have a some kind of reaction even if it was just like man I, mean, I almost got murdered i jumped off multiple airships you know for this <laughs> you know this professor now someone killed her oh not today isis you know I just i had to build those motivations in right for you so hope and it seemed like it worked. I mean, if, even if it didn't, it, it, at the end of the day, you guys are great players because you're like, oh, okay, this is the direction that I think this goes. And so what do I believe button? I, I don't know if you care, if you actually felt motivation to get even for her or to solve the murder, or if you were just, you know, like, okay, cool story. Let's do this. Let's solve this. <laughs> uh, speaking for myself, as a person, I didn't care. My character did. And that's the important thing. <laughs> There yeah, you go, and right? I, See? I think that that that's exactly it. Like as a as a person, like I didn't care, yeah. But I knew my character would care, and I think, I think, I think a lot of people when they're like playing these games, they try and think it's like, well, I don't really care because like at the end of the day, like if it's a fictional character, but right. you put on these like concepts where we have to think, how would our player react? Care, sorry, our character react, and that's what makes this kind of stuff fun because. I had to think, oh, how would Tog the Goblin react? And <laughs> part of it and part of him was hungry because, you know, he he liked eating corpses. And the other yeah. part of him was sad because, you know, it was someone who, who was actually the same height as him, which is not really that common. That's right, because she was uh a gnome. Yeah, she was correctly. Yeah, she was a gnome. So yeah. So anyway. Yeah, no, it was it was good. What about uh what about you, Finder? What's your favorite RPG? Right now, my favorite RPG is probably Savage Worlds because I don't have a lot of time to learn new systems. And so with with my friends that I have gamed with for for decades now, we're all 
old people. We all have day jobs. We just don't have time. And we like playing fantasy. We like playing sci-fi. We like playing post-apoc. We like playing horror. And so without having to learn a new game system, every time we want to switch genres, um, we all just kind of gravitated to, to Savage Worlds. So it's my favorite system for that reason. But there are other games that I just absolutely love the system. Like I love the Year Zero engine, uh, Mutant Year Zero engine. Never played Mutant Year Zero, but I have played Forbidden Lands, and I love Forbidden Lands. There's a lot of really cool aspects to that. Uh, so I, I really am enamored by a lot of the Free League Press games, um, but the system I will always probably end up going to for any sort of long-term game is is going to probably be Savage Worlds just because it's it's convenient, it's easy, and it's one that I know very well. So. And you know what? I actually find that amazing. Like, tr- I I have trouble finding people that will, will be willing to play like two sessions together before schedules just end up making things, you know, pretty much impossible. And yet, you have like this group that you've, as you said, decades you've been able to play with. Like that that's enviable by I think almost anyone who ever plays any RPGs. Like, <laughs> well, I think part of it goes back to we're an old group of friends from like, we used to work together when I lived in Arizona, we all worked at the same place. We'd get together on the weekends and play. And then when we started scattering all over the the globe, we're like, well, let's, let's keep doing this, but let's do it online. And doing things online gave us even a little bit more flexibility because we're all kind of night owls. So we don't have a problem starting the game at like 1030 at night and play until one or two in the morning. And that gives us time to be with our families on Friday night and still get together and play. And I mean, I started online role playing, uh, let's see, I've been here for 20, 21, probably uh, 22 years ago, 21, 22 years ago is when I started playing online with OpenRPG, which is now more or less defunct, but that was like the first online role-playing tabletop uh, VTT that I'd ever come across. And it was uh, a really cool way to, to stay in touch with my with my friends and, and keep being able to game and tell these stories that we like playing. But uh, that, that, that VTT just didn't stay with the times. And when we found World 20, that's when we jumped ship from ORPG to R20. See that that's dedication, especially if you like think about the fact that that was probably dial up internet. And <laughs> oh my god. It, uh, uh, it's not it's not that old. It was the beginning of broadband. Um there there, there was some some dial up still going on, and fortunately we'd all made the jump to, to cable, but it was like the early days of cable where you could download like Linux but it would take 12 hours to download Linux, even oh with God. even with broadband. <laughs> I remember trying to play Diablo 2 on dial-up, and it was just... We're, we're lucky nowadays, guys. Just remember that. If you're ever <laughs> complaining about, oh, Steam is down for an hour and a half or anything like that, go back to dial-up. Like, seriously. <laughs> you will cherish every moment you have on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, and still we get we're like, oh, this is so slow. What is happening? Oh my god, this page took five seconds to turn on. How is this even acceptable? Oh my god. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
All right, we one nerd. What what uh, is your favorite game? Oh, my favorite game. I've actually. It's funny because like I've been trying to think of this one because I'm a person who I I have a I'm I'm an obsessive person where I obsess about something for about a month, month and a half, and then I go into the next thing. But there's probably for system wise, I would say uh, not to be kind of a broken record but savage worlds just because you can do almost anything and one mm-hmm. of my favorite i guess settings for savage worlds is uh the necessary evil oh yeah yeah i we played a game it was actually the superheroes not necessarily uh necessary evil but um just we use the superpowers from necessary evil because it's in my opinion it was better than the companion one absolutely yeah and just the amount of characters you can create like i created um this character called bob musket and the whole background behind him like it's fun because you can really do whatever you want with those things but my whole background with him was um essentially he didn't know he was a superhero and we're playing this game where it was uh uh pretty much like rent a superhero where you could rent a superhero in order to complete a task for you something like that and he was actually going to the unemployment office that was next door but he actually ended up in the other place and he filled out his thing as unemployed bob because he didn't really think like what do you mean what do you want for this for this name like he didn't understand so he wrote himself in as unemployed bob and he all his powers were towards being so unlucky that everyone around him would be just as unlucky and the DM uh, who we're playing with, she ended up at one point, a plane fell out of the sky. And it was the only way she could think of figuring out how this person wouldn't kill me. So a plane fell from the sky and landed on top of this person. And that was the only way we could figure out how my character shouldn't have died in that situation. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then I created uh, a super-powered Roomba that was essentially... Um, think you guys ever see that movie rubber yes yeah think of rubber with psychic powers but also a vengeance to not only um clean up the streets uh realistically but also metaphorically and so i i think that that system just because i can really let my creativity go loose and just have do whatever i want no matter how ridiculous it is and people just sit there and go you know what that's a good idea so that is the one thing about you that is interesting is you're the gonzo player, but not like the negative gonzo player, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you will play. It's not, you don't do the against type trope or anything nonsensical, um, but you're willing to just have fun with it. And I don't know how to describe it other than, you know, it, it's, you're, you're not an ass about it. It just makes things a little more interesting, you know, like, ta- you know, like your goblin. You know, you you devoured flesh willingly. It was a goblin thing. There was a holdover from your people, but it was like, oh, I do it in secret, you know. And then, <laughs> like we talk about with this, uh, I mean, hell, even some of the games you guys have tested for me, there's always a, a peculiarity about your character that is just slightly off of, you know, what someone could expect. And it's actually neat because you, if you get in the mindset of trying to plan kind of vanilla characters or, you know, the plot or kind of your scenario, 
someone like you definitely requires uh, someone to be fast on their feet to feet to make it interesting. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I I always thought it was like coming up. I don't like to think, oh, he's going to be this class. He's going to do that. Right. I like to read through everything and kind of see what sounds fun to me. And or I'll have ideas where here's an interesting idea. Like I. It was, I was listening to this other podcast and we were talking about how one of the biggest tropes for any D&D character is their parents are always dead. Yeah. And it's always like, there's always so many tragedies. So I ended up yeah. creating this character who his whole entire backstory, it wasn't a tragedy, but you, you have, everyone has those friends where it's just like everything in their life kind of sucks, but it's not enough to, for you to really care. So every time someone like, oh, this happened, you're like, ah, oh, that sucks. And I created a character based off of just the fact that when someone's like, if someone, if I was telling the backstory, the whole thing would just be like, oh, that kind of sucks. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> and that's, that's all I wanted out of him was just to be a character that he's not necessarily a bad guy, nothing like that, but nothing, nothing happens in his life. It just kind of sucks. And <laughs> that's what I like to try and do with characters is just find this little kind of idea and then expand upon it to see what the hell happens. Well, congratulations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Just saying. Um, so this is actually a perfect segue to the next question. What's the fa- what's your favorite character you've ever made? Oh, you guys are gonna have to go on this one. Oh yeah, I guess you've only uh well for you, how about what's your favorite the most favorite NPC you've ever made? Ooh, oh, oh, man. Again, you guys go ahead and go. Uh, I've, I've, been gaming, I've been gaming for like 30 years, so it takes it's a lot. It's... All right. You go first. All right. Uh, so actually, my favorite character that I made, uh, it goes back to my first game that I was talking about earlier. It was actually that GURPS game, right? So I was trying to figure out how to do a character and I didn't really know and I didn't want to do like, oh, this guy's just kind of edgy. This guy's kind of this. So my buddy, uh, he was helping me create this character. And so we're going through all these things that I just knew I kind of wanted to use magic. And GURPS being the system that it is, there's a lot of abilities that you can go play with, but there's also a lot of, like you can take advantages and disadvantages. And... I saw all these different ones and I ended up creating this character who was young, had a lot of scars on his body because he was trying to learn spells by himself and he ended up failing on a spell which kind of exploded and ever since that point his reflection was no longer connected to him and in fact it was its own uh, entity and sometimes it would be there, sometimes it wouldn't be there and the whole time like he would be like this almost like devious little manipulator where he tries to be friends with everyone but at the same time he's kind of looking for a way to try and make the the npcs or whatever characters fail or just pretty much rile up and cause havoc that cannot be brought back to him and that character like it was my first one but i just have the most fond memories of like i chose like a bullwhip for my character's weapon and of course you did yeah he he was he he was honestly you he could barely use it and i was cornered by like the big boss orc up on top of like uh like the city walls and i ended up whipping him and he's like oh well i i have this table roll to see what you end up hitting him and i ended up hitting him like straight in the nuts 
and he fell from the wall and ended up falling and there was like a bunch of like uh uh pikemen down there who were defending the wall so that that guy that orc ended up getting skewered on like one of the pikemen and i'm just like it for some reason that character has always resonated with me because he's a character who likes to pretend he knows everything and he's tries to be very manipulative but at the end of the day he's kind of just almost like fluking out which is kind of a story from my own life if you really think about it like even meeting you guys it's really just a fluke a massive fluke and i don't know that character has always stuck with me as one of my most favorite characters what about you finder uh, for me it's a toss-up between three and so i'll be very brief on them one was this barbarian character this was an old D game uh that a friend of mine was G- was dming um an old D game barbarian um his name was thornock his half brother unbeknownst to both of them at the time was a half orc named abraxas and uh he just went completely insane because he kept dying and kept coming back to life. He kept getting resurrected. And so he got to the point where he believed that uh, his God turned out to be a goddess. Um, In his head, he was the betrothed to the goddess and he was invincible. And so by the end, he was just walking into everything because he could not be killed or rather he could be killed, but death never took. Awesome. And so uh, he was just a really fun character to to play um, until you get to the point where it's like, okay, this sticks is old. Let's do something else. And so then we moved on and created some new characters. Again, a and d game. Um, Dugan Halfbeard was a dwarf thief fighter. He and his orphanage brother, human, uh, or human brother was, uh, he was a pure thief. And these two guys just get into so much trouble. And this this was a D&D game that got converted into Savage Worlds. But there was like this uh, honor amongst thieves between them to where we had no problem backstabbing each other. In fact, we did it quite regularly. Um, and we would steal from one another. But if anybody else did, it's like, no, <laughs> you don't mess with us. And so there's like this unity between the characters, but uh, and, and part of that goes off to being a gem as well that was cursed that uh, w- was a lot of fun. It was a trope that that uh, fortunately the other players ran with as well, and so we just had a lot of fun with those. And, and that guy uh, eventually he, he got so many freaking hindrances. He was like he had this phobia from being out in the wilderness and so i was like having to make rolls almost all the time around do do i even get any sleep tonight because he's a city boy and he's in the middle of the woods and he's got this paranoia that everything's watching him and there's nature demons everywhere and and so he was just a lot of fun to play um but then my favorite savage worlds was a savage Worlds star wars character um who was a wannabe jedi he he thoroughly believed that he was a Jedi, but he had like zero force capability. Everything that he did was like you, pure fluke. It was a pure happenstance. And so the mechanic that uh, the GM came up with was, okay, anytime you want to use the force, it's an unskilled role with an additional negative four 
So I was like at a negative six almost every single time I wanted to do something with the force. But it always worked. I mean, with, with the exploding <laughs> die mechanic of Savage Worlds, he kept acing to, to the point where th this is like the best scene. This guy runs around with two garbage men. And th they get this contract to go collect this debris. And we don't realize it, but there's like this Jedi artifact where we're supposed to go and collect the stuff. And we end up encountering Darth Vader, and my my character's like, oh, I gotta go defeat him. And he goes charging at Darth Vader in a one-on-one -on -one lightsaber duel using the force. And he his dice could do no wrong. Vader's dice could do nothing right to where my character ended up uh, chasing Darth Vader away. <laughs> it, was, it was like the best because my, my force rolls were on point and it was just a lot of fun because the two garbage men are like, he's not a Jedi. And we just <laughs> discovered a, a third player had come in. And so we just discovered this android who's like, that guy's a total Jedi. <laughs> so it was just, it was a lot of fun to play him because my, the GM, my, my brother-in-law is like, oh man, he's going to die. And so he kept trying to get me to, to leave Vader alone. I'm like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> so those are probably the three favorite character so far yeah I, I honestly find failure in world in rpgs are is more fun than actually succeeding sometimes of course it tells, it tells a more interesting story yeah <laughs> if you always win it's just kind of i don't know it's weird to play a game like that yeah well it's even like books and movies and all that nobody really likes a mary sue just someone who can right. do everything so well you know Yep. Not going to bring up any things, but you know, <laughs> maybe some of the more recent Star Wars might bring up you, might uh, you know, shed some light on Mary Suing. <laughs> oh man, there it goes. I mean, it's just it's just kind of it's endemic in uh, kind of modern uh, fiction. Really, it's, it's it's spread far and wide. Um, they want to have different kinds of stories now, so you always have to have uh, antagonists who can do the things. Um, regardless you know of, of kind of traditional tropes which can be fun but yeah mary sue's are a pain uh they just it is kind of boring yeah and like mary sue's like they do come like let's not get too much into this topic but like they can come in like all shapes and oh sure and everything like that and just because it's called a mary sue like i just want to say it doesn't mean that it's always like female characters there's definitely male yeah. characters where yeah. it's just like Oh look, they did this. Oh well, look, they did that. Great. Like that's why. Like I think Superman's probably like one of the biggest Mary Sues because at the end of the day, it's Superman. What? How can you really do anything wrong with Superman? He's one of the right, best. Just kryptonite, right? You know. Yeah. 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 No, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, what about you, Scott? What's your uh, What's your favorite NPC that you've created? Uh, man, I think it would have to be uh, a uh, so the character. Uh, it was a, uh, her name was Marastra, and she was a female Shadar Kai, uh, but she was a druid by training, uh, and her whole goal was to learn this ancient ritual, and in order to do that, she knew that she needed a, uh, a couple, she needed some items, right? So there were things that had to be, had to be gotten, and she could not access some of these items, but because she was able to shape change and change form as well, uh, she essentially was the benefactor and the villain at the same time for the entire campaign. 
and it wouldn't be revealed until after the party had access points points uh, around the the universe essentially right she couldn't access certain parts of the, some of the demi planes but the characters could as long as they believed that they were doing the right thing and they were acting on the the right consequences and so she manipulated the entire thing and uh then the the final confrontation was with the party and it ended up with a total party kill um just because they it was a lot of confusion at the table uh as to like anger at me a little bit of like well how would you portray this because at one point when she's fighting him you know they're like getting a glimpse of her in her true form like oh this because i use the ghosts of mars kind of monster so she's all slack because the shit arc higher you know they're like oh i'm a goth kid you know i have to i have to cut my cut myself to feel and that kind of thing and uh so she had all this weird gothy stuff about her but as she's fighting him every round i would have her shift her visage so they would see one of their allies or one of the other villains that they had thought they had put down or was or they knew was responsible for their predicament and that's when it was just like oh my god you 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 do this to us the whole time and i was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you assembled all the artifacts that uh, she needed to complete her ritual. And uh, now you're in a lot of trouble. Um, and so that was it, yeah. She did total party killing everyone, though. They put up a good fight with her, though. But, yeah, there was only three players, and uh, it was brutal. But, yeah, that's her. It's probably my favorite, just because of the level of manipulation that I was able to pull off at the table. See, that's actually quite amazing that you can make, and I, it may sound negative, like, of almost like an attribute but making your players feel betrayed like make them feel like you betrayed them that's not something that's easily able to do no it was good it was a uh, it was a good reaction it was unexpected i was like why are you yelling at me <laughs> <laughs> i'm not really the shit archive druid <laughs> all you want to do now is killer it's just a game guys it's just a game yeah, it's good. Yeah, and I've done. I run a lot of Call of Cthulhu, and I elicit the like the spooky horror. And it's hard to scare players, right? And that that's a conversation I'm sure we'll have with a, with a topic. But I I can I can I can just pull emotions out of people, and uh, so it's I don't know, it's just a gift. But yeah, it's hard. It is hard. You got to plan it just right. Oh yeah, yeah I... that's. Go ahead. No, sorry, you you finished oh. your sentence. No, I was just yeah, I was just kind of tailing off. I was like, yeah, it's just. It, it, it's hard, but it's, it's, that is why I game, is to see the smiles and the, the spark behind someone's eyes, and they're like, oh, no, I figured this out, you know. And you guys, even though I couldn't really see you guys, even online, I can hear it in your voices and how your tone shifts when you guys are realizing the clues or you're putting things together, and you're just like, oh, man. Even when you guys test systems, I can hear what works and what doesn't and the way you respond to things. So have you just out of curiosity in that game, did you ever have like one player that kind of suspected something, but all the other players just kind of, you know, almost said, no, 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 it definitely can't be true. Or did everyone just completely buy on to the fact that that was a good guy? So like everything, you're always going to have people. Yeah, they were. Um, but what's neat is uh, I had three. Play- so we started with four, but we ended up having another problem player. Um, it was not it was it was a weird situation, but the, of the three players who remained uh our one she's a medical doctor and so i don't know if it's just just her training is to to look deeper for uh underlying causes but she was suspicious but the neat thing was all three were suspicious of different people of different npcs not knowing it was the same npc and they never were able to put that together so it was kind of fun watching them like no 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 you're wrong 
you're wrong because this is why this person is our benefactor and this is why you're not tracking correctly on it. I don't know why you're suspicious. And it was like, oh man, you guys are so close. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and all the clues were there. I'm not the kind of person who's like, and wahaha, it was me all the time, if not for you kids. I mean, I leave clues everywhere. You know, if they get close to a villain and if they didn't search a body properly, it's like, oh, hey, this villain also has this weird marking or a scar on the same spot as your benefactor, right? Or things like that. I leave these little clues everywhere. And so, again, I come from the, I come from the older score. The, a, a trap isn't for the character to roll against. The trap is for the player or a puzzle is for the player to sit down and really think their way through it and be like, okay, well, how, how would I get around this? Um, how do I navigate this obstacle? Uh, how, how do I fight this creature? Because uh, that's a lot of old school D&D, especially the first time you encounter like a rust monster. You hit it and you watch your weapon begin to dissolve into nothing. And, you know, then you have, to, you have to really figure things out. And that's how I run games. And so I'll sprinkle clues everywhere. Runes. Uh, I use a lot of props at the table. And you guys kind of saw the digital props, but... At the table, all that stuff would be physical handouts. I have a 3D printer, so I make things. I make runes and daggers and whatnot to put at the table. Uh, I print out maps, or, and you have to use like UV lighting to represent you know, some magical source of lighting to read you know, a lemon juice map, things like that. So, that sounds cool. actually so cool. I, I'm kind of jealous that we don't live in the same area. I'm a huge nerd. When I show up and people are like, what is happening? Like, and then, yeah, they get to like this... Oh my God, they I'll make gifts for people. It's based on their characters. I'll be like, no, no, that's yours. You found the artifact. And so it's like this little tiny, like, gemstone or, you know, you know, whatever. A tiny dagger that represents something that they're like, here's kind of what my dagger looks like. Okay, cool. Here's your tiny little Karam bit that you can hold to the table now and tchotchke it up, things like that. That's yeah. actually so cool. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I've been married a long time and um, our daughter has grown. So I, uh, I have a full time job and. It ends, and then I get to go home, and I can just nerd out because my wife is totally cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say that's one thing is having a significant other, whether they're or not they're in the thing that's supportive of your nerdiness. I guess that's the only the best way yeah. to put it. Yeah, that's cool. You know, she knew what she married. You know, she first came up because <laughs> back in the day, I thought I had a weird change where I didn't. I went through a long period where I don't like to talk about gaming at all. And I'm still kind of that way at work. Cause a lot of people have no idea just how elevated of a nerd I am, <laughs> but it's just when I, you know, cause I, you got a lot of fights back in the day and there was a satanic panic and a whole bunch of stuff, but actually it's not a bad topic for another episode since we're just predicting out like sig significant others in gaming. So mm -hmm. it'd be kind of a good, interesting topic. Cause there are a lot of people who have them and may or may not be super supportive and, you know, there's a variety of reasons. Like, I don't spend a lot of time doing this, but if she's going to sit down there and, like, knit, excuse me, or she does a lot of canning and a lot of, like, well, almost prepping, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> she does a lot of food <laughs> prepping and whatnot and trying out new things. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have anything to do for work, so I'm going to go ahead and, you know, make some cool stuff. Like, I'm going to run a game, and I have these tiny little tiles I've created that are little types of terrain so I can put them out for the characters doing a hex explorer so they can say like, oh, there's a little mountains and forests and here's where we've gone. Anyway, yeah. So our next question on the list, uh, this one's a nice simple one, but uh, what's your tabletop bucket list? I think everyone has one of games that they want to play, but they've not been able to actually play. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I've got three at the top of my list. 
Damn, wow. Shoot. <laughs> uh, Black Void is probably at the top Ooh. at the moment. It, it is billed as a fantasy, mm-hmm. but it's got to be weird fantasy. I mean, it's just the entire concept is kind of like ancient Babylon um, gets transported to this alien realm. And Ooh. humanity is like on the verge of becoming extinct. And so there's this big fight for um, trying to save humanity. And it's just a, a really cool sounding setting. And so I, I really want to play Black Void sometime. Next is Coriolis, which is, uh, again, Free League Press, uh, Mutant Year Zero engine. Um, but it's described as like Arabian Nights in space. Uh, so there's uh, that which just has a really cool. The, the setting itself is very evocative, and then uh, the one that I just got in the mail yesterday, Morkborg, because that just sounds too hilarious <laughs> not to play sometime. I, would I agree. think we're yeah. going to be trying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, you and I, I. Okay, with Morkborg, we stumbled. I stumbled upon it. I asked, I was like, hey, has anyone heard of Morkborg? And then, Scott, you're like, oh, yeah, I backed the project, everything like that. And you showed me, like, pictures of it. And then legitimately that day, me and Finder ended up buying it. I ended up buying it on, like, Amazon because it was, like, two-day shipping or else I'm ordering it from the States, which will take me, like, three months. So I didn't get yeah. a PDF copy. but Which is weird because it's actually a Swedish game. So, But, I mean, I get it because you're attached to us at the hip, so... Yeah, <laughs> wear your hat. That's all we are. We're wear a hat. It but, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably on all three of our lists. That one right there. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Scott? What's on your list? Oh man, I have played a lot of nonsense. Um, I wouldn't. Um, shit, man. I'm just. I mean, looking at books I have, and I'm thinking, like, what have I not? really ever played and i've at least run everything like Morkborg is definitely there because i think i like the concept because it's 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 gitchy you know um it's it's that's what i like best about it it's it's very gitchy and i'll, I'll give him credit for thinking outside the box um cortex plus i have that and i've heard great things about it you know it's very reminiscent of kind of how savage worlds works but not quite with exploding dice and whatnot so i wouldn't mind trying that and man, i don't know man that might be it there's just there's stuff I don't it's it's stuff that I want to run. That's my problem as a forever GM and someone who has a lot of creative ideas. It's like there's so many adventures I want to run, but it's just getting a group together for that prolonged time period to to at least get it out of my system. You know? Yeah, and even just to experience it. Like we play, yeah. but even then, like we have scheduling conflicts and everything like that. Like I don't yeah. think we've actually gotten a chance to play in quite a while now, but. No, well, it's because I keep torturing you guys to ask you. And you guys do the best thing that I could ever hope for is you're willing to humor me in all of the, the nonsense <laughs> I design. I mean, you oh, guys, yeah. you know, so. But, yeah, we, we definitely need to get back on a regular schedule. Yeah. Actually, I have I have a list that's longer than it should be, so I'm just going to kind of <laughs> cut it down to a couple of them. Uh, my first one is Paranoia. Uh, that's a fun game (laughs) oh i've never played it but i love the idea of uh you know 
killing you for for a reason and not actually being a complete and utter dick about it. It's basically the game design for your personality. If that's how people want to think about you as a player, I, I would say it's you're a paranoia character transported to whatever system or genre and yeah. not in a negative way. Is that fair? No, that's that's, that's definitely fair. fair. Like, Finder, I, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> now, I, I will say, Paranoia is one of those games that I love playing and I could never ref. Um, I, I GM'd it back in the 80s on, under the second edition, and it's just not a game that I can wrap my head around for GMing, but as a player, it's a blast. Um, kind of like Low Life for Savage Worlds. I can't GM low life. It's just not a setting that speaks to me as a, as a storyteller or as a GM, but as a player, I can totally get into low life and it's a fun, it's a fun system to play or a fun game to play. But, uh, but yeah, paranoia is awesome. No, I could, I could definitely see that because even like I I was reading the rules the other day and there's just a lot to it. Like I have the, uh, the XP, one and it's like 250 pages i think something around that thing and it's (laughs) it's all in like black and white and you you're reading through this stuff and it it's so easy to kind of almost like zone out as you're kind of thinking to yourself oh i want to be part of this group and i want to do this (laughs) and do it like it's hard to like i feel like that's a perfect system for someone to run if they don't like to create cohesive stories (laughs) yeah. <laughs> and I don't yeah. mean that in a I don't mean that in a bad way, but even like the rules say it's like, you know, you want to contradict yourself. You want to do this, you want to do that. You you don't necessarily just want to have the most straightforward rules. And in fact, the players shouldn't know all the rules. That's one of the rules in paranoia. Yeah. What's well, a GM reactive game? You oh, know. Yeah. So well, I will tell you this. If we do get a chance to do a one show, we, we could run through one show. So I I speak Russian fluently. Uh, and I've been taught by, I've been trained by, you know, educators who fled the, co- the communism, who fled the Soviet Union. Uh, <laughs> however, they couldn't shake their uh, pedagogical methods <laughs> in order to teach Russian. Uh, and uh, I'm a huge fan of 1984 and uh, Brave New World. So I would be a brutal dictator, uh, friend computer. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that'll be for another episode. <laughs> oh. So what is it? The other one I got on my list uh, is East Texas University. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And I, I have a. I know you talked about it a bit, Scott, but yeah. I like the concept of it because as a kid, I loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. I, I love all those kind of paranormal shows. I love X Files, and just something where you're starting off as these like these guys that really don't know that the paranormal is out there. And that's really how you're supposed to start. And just kind of almost the, just the acceleration of you finding out that ghosts are real all the way through. And it just, it sounds like a lot of fun that you're going to be these unprepared university students being thrusted into a world that you have no idea about. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and I told you, I played with, uh, with the creator, um, it's actually, we have YouTube videos of the entire game we ran, and it was just a blast to just act like college kids, like you said, who you still don't want to accept what's happening, and so you're making excuses, you know, and then you just, all of this, all the collegiate stereotypes are in play, and that makes it so much fun. Oh, man, what a, it's such a cool setting. 
Yeah. No, it, it I, sounds really cool. I, I've honestly made probably 10 characters for it that I've never <laughs> gotten to use. Well, I, I, we talked about running that too, right? Doing the, like, you know, I do the plot point campaign. And I don't know how, comp- I, you know, we could just decide on a GM, but you definitely need to play it. I tried running it once on my own with a group of people when they showed up. It sounded cooler, I guess, in their heads. And once they, because I, I gave them everything in like a manila envelope on a, on a clipboard with, I mean, when I told you I do prop to do props. So when they sat down mm-hmm. and had their character creation, it looked like they were registering for school. Um, the character <laughs> sheets were the blue, with the scantrons and all that jazz. And they were all like, what the hell is this? And it, it really <laughs> was, awesome. it was disappointing though, because they didn't want to play. They're like, oh, this is just too much work. This is, I thought we were going to play a role playing game. And I was like, well, what do you guys want to play then? I guess we'll just go ahead and play fantasy D and D. That honestly <laughs> sounds so cool, man. I'm so jealous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my other one, of course, I have Morkborg on the list. Um, I also have Rippers, which is another uh, Savage Worlds one, but it's essentially Victorian esque uh, monster hunting where you can take the parts out of monsters and transplant them into yourself. Which I'm sorry, but who doesn't like Van Helsing? Like it just sounds cool. Yeah, Van Helsing meets Mary Shelley, but she's, you know, her 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 characters are hyper competent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not not knocking role players, but none of us are competent. We just try and pretend we are. Oh, that is definitely a topic that gets me in a lot of trouble <laughs> for a whole later time about gamers in general. Oh, I know, I know. You're going to hear in this, uh, I know we're getting to the last couple of minutes of this, but you're going to hear us say a lot. It was like, this is for another podcast. This <laughs> is for another episode. Like that, that's going to be a theme. Um, Call of Cthulhu 19, like the 1940s one. I always thought that would be really fun to uh, play as. Yeah, sure. Well, you're just listing games you want me to run. Is that what's happening right now? Uh, essentially, <laughs> essentially, this is this is just my way of trying to tell you without being preachy. You know, it's all for the podcast. There's no alternative mo- motive, none at all. The next episode, we'll have a live play. Oh, <laughs> uh, and uh, the last one, and this one, like. It's just something I, I really like the idea of, but the Lancer RPG. I like big robots. I like mechs. The rule book looks cool, uh, and the robots themselves look pretty badass in the photos. So, yeah, that one just looks fun. Hey, if you go by aesthetics, I mean, you got to put Orbital Blues on there as well. Which one, sorry? Orbital Blues. Ooh, I don't know if I've ever seen it, that. That, one. that was a, it was a Kickstarter that just wrapped up not too long ago. Um, Think of for me the the vibe that I get from it is kind of like Firefly meets Cowboy Bebop, yeah, Ooh. sort of stuff. And yeah. the Kickstarter had an entire soundtrack that got released with the game as well. So, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, that's the one genre I don't do well. I don't think is science fiction. See, and I always have to GM science fiction because nobody else <laughs> wants to GM it. So, I'm like, dang it, that's the one that I want to play all the time. And, it's it's hard, and a buddy of mine's a sci-fi nerd, you know, and I'm working on a sci-fi thing for Neon Blood, and that's the most difficult thing I've ever had to write. Because <laughs> it's like, how do we? We're coming into the quasar. How do we? Friend, computer, please tell us what to do. Because by this point in time and space, I'm sure we've worked the bugs out of Siri and Alexa. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. We actually. We're... We still got to do that one game we were talking about in that system. Oh, uh, Infinite Galaxies. That's it. That's it. Oh, that and game I, is baller. 
Yeah, I ended up for my character creation, for my uh, character I wrote up, uh, it was essentially a tech review for a robot. That is true. That was was beautiful. Yeah, I like a lot of PBTA games uh, for someone who's kind of a hard ass in real life, but I'm not all, well, I hate Monster Hearts and the original Apocalypse World, so we'll just put that on the shelf only for a couple of features. And it's the features that anyone listening will guess. I'm just, it's not me. Uh, We're not going to role play whatever you have going on in your life. It's never going to happen at my table. And you guys know that. Well, well, there's a lot of topics I won't, I won't touch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. For, I've noticed that. You keep mentioning things. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's PBTA as well. I really love that system. <laughs> it's so freeform for me as a GM <laughs> and for you as players. You're like, well, uh, what can we do? I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys find a chest. Well, what is it? Can I read it? Yeah, sure. Make your roll. All right, awesome. Uh, what language is it? Uh, what language do you... Does your character think it understands it to be? And then you just kind of go from there, you know? It's mm. just amazing. Anyway, sorry. See, that, uh, that, that makes me think, though, of Tiny D6 as well. I, I recently played a Tiny D6 game, which was a blast. It was Tiny yeah. Frontiers. And I had so much fun in that game because almost the entire thing was, like, us laughing <laughs> at the amazing successes when they happened and the abysmal failures when those happen and it was just it was a really fun easy system yep. uh so i i'm kind of enamored with tiny d6 at the moment as well just because it's nice so fun. you should I run actually, us through a tiny d6 game put on the list i'm totally down actually i just um i just got the new tiny d6 kickstarter a little while ago uh the was it the mecha monsters yeah yeah, yeah. I, I sub for I I ended up getting for that one a little while ago, and I'm just now waiting patiently for uh, me to be able to see the book. <laughs> well, as a creator, I have really bad news for your patience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I swear, oh I God. have some patience somewhere. <laughs> I have none. I have none. I Man. haven't found it yet, but it's Ooh. somewhere. It's just tough right now getting mm. things out to backers, and I feel bad because I'm the kind of person who is like. I want to produce other stuff, but I refuse to release it until I've completed all of the shipment of books, and I need the books <laughs> to be printed. So, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we should probably wrap this one up. Uh, ironically enough, I was thinking we'd probably be through this in thirty minutes, and uh, just for the first one, I was like thinking, "Hey, we'll just introduce ourselves. You know, we'll be nice. It'll be nice and simple. We won't get anything. We won't get aggravated. We won't talk about how Five E is not that great of a system. We won't do it now. No we'll one said that it. but you. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> not, it's not. It's not. But anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was like the first five minutes I said that. Damn. <laughs> you know what? Maybe maybe uh, maybe it's all my fault on that one. No, but no anyway. it's not. <laughs> You're fine. Oh yeah, it, it, it gives us something to discuss, actually, and how system how how system dictates play, right? So there's another oh, yeah, topic. Totally. Again, the audience is already going to be building on like, damn, these guys are doing like five thousand episodes. <laughs> <laughs> They've already talked about thirty of them that they're already yeah. doing, it, and it's the first one. <laughs> um, but yeah, any, anyways, folks, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that's all of the time we actually have for now. Thanks for tuning in and taking the time to learn a little bit about ourselves. Uh, next week, I hope you join us and uh, we'll talk about other various systems and probably rant about 5e in the end, as you've already found <laughs> out. Uh, thanks again for listening and uh, have a great uh, day. Later. Bye.